Okay, people, it's a new episode of Just for Sport. My next guest is Casey Phillips. She is the reporter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and has been for five years. But her best seasons may be in front of her, you know, with that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski signing. We talk about Brady and Gronk's impact on the Bucs in Tampa, this year's all-virtual NFL draft, the biggest differences between covering basketball versus football, Casey and I work together with the Wizards, what she enjoys most about her career working for a team, and we share our thoughts on the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. For the Props Network, this is Just for Sport in 3, 2, 1. Hi, Casey. How you doing from Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay. That's, we're going to have to change it on Google Maps now. <laughs> I'm sure you are just like tired of hearing about Tampa Bay between Brady and Gronk in the draft. I know you're exhausted, but it's perfect timing for the podcast. I feel like you can breathe now, at least the beginning of, of you being able to maybe take a breath. Yes, all for you. As I went through all the draft and all the Tom Brady and Gronk stuff and all of it just for you for the podcast now. We're ready to go. <laughs> That's very important. I really appreciate it. I know we go way back. For those of us listening, uh, we have not been on anything professional, podcast, show, anything since American Express Home Court Advantage, the debut of the show when we were in arena. That was like the last time. It's amazing. I'm glad we can get together again. I know. It has been six years since you and I have been on camera together, which I don't know if that is like because we just can't, we, we just don't do well together, that we're too much. <laughs> There's too much happening that the world couldn't handle it, but now six years later, we're ready to go. So we have six years worth of things stored up to yeah, talk about. Yeah, um, I don't know if we could get through that in a half an hour or an hour, <laughs> but we're going to try here on Just for Sport. Okay, first question. Uh, let's first just talk about the draft. You got Tristan Wirfs. I made enough bad dad jokes on our uh, text chain about he's Wirfs it. Um, <laughs> and Antoine Winfield Jr., in the second round, uh, Tyler Johnson, well, Keyshawn Bond in the third round. Just talk about all the draft picks and what it was like for you to go through a draft and then virtually too, which is another thing you have to deal with. Yeah, so I got a chance to interview uh, all of our picks except for our seventh rounders. I'm planning on doing that uh, this week. Um, but yeah, I did it virtually right after they were picked. They called into the local media with a Zoom call. They called into me with a separate Zoom call. Um, I thought we had an incredible draft. I saw an article, I think it was in The Athletic, where they assign value points to the draft based on what you got and what you had to you know, give up to get it in terms of the, the actual value of that draft pick. And I think they had us rated sixth in the entire league for wow. our draft. So um, I think they did a great job. And of course, like all off season, I had just been praying that one of those top four tackles would fall to us. And I never thought it would be Tristan Wirfs. Like there, he had been mocked to the giants at four so many times. And mm -hmm. I thought if we're lucky to get, you know, one of them to fall to us, or man, if we do have to trade up, I thought we were gonna have to trade all the way up to like eight or nine to be able to get one of those tackles. And we were gonna have to give up so much. And is that worth it? And man, to be able to only have to trade up one spot to get a guy like Tristan Wirfs is incredible. Like I would absolutely give up a fourth round pick to know that Tom Brady is going to be protected and that you could potentially have this guy as an anchor of your line for a decade plus. Like he is so athletic. 
he's just one of those freaks in nature. I'm sure at this point you've seen the video of him jumping out of the pool. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. That's insane. I like, think you should try it. Like, when you yeah. finally get to be a person, both of you try to jump out of the pool. Yeah, That's here's to start my your interview. I'm going to get in the pool, and then I'm going to have him grab my feet underneath me and just launch me out of the pool, <laughs> and then it'll look like I did that. That's my plan. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's gonna be funny. I can't even. This is what I tweeted after that video. I quote tweeted that, and I just said, "I can't even dive into a pool. Yeah, like much <laughs> less jump out of one." So, out of one. <laughs> yeah, he's on a whole other level. But yeah, he's a great pickup. Um, I know they think really highly of Antoine Winfield Jr. Crazy fun fact about him: his dad intercepted Tom Brady. Oh, that's awesome. That's going to so, be cool. This guy, he and his dad have both played against Tom Brady, which is such a cool fact. But yeah, he's this complete ball hawk. Um, great dude. Love talking to him. Great personality. Um, you know, and then, of course, and we went running back after that, which th that had kind of been offensive line and running back had been the big things that our fans had really been saying they were hoping we were targeting. And so it's great to see those guys um, get in there. And, and Keyshawn Vaughn, I think he really keeps emphasizing how a lot of people think he's kind of this run outside guy that he's you know can be pretty speedy but he also can he loves going inside he said as well so I just think it's great to have someone in there with Ronald Jones to compliment him compete with him all of the above that it's it's always good to have you know more more running backs the better you just never know how that's going to pan out and, and who's going to be healthy and I think that they're going to really be able to complement each other well Keyshawn Vaughn could potentially be that kind of third down guy catching some passes as well so overall I mean our, our whole draft I felt like our team did a great job of balancing the what we needed and also with who just was the best player available at that point and you got my cousin khalil davis just tell him jamal k said what's up you know yeah. we'll the family reunion down there at some point i'm expecting at least a davis jersey in the mail yes i will work on that for you I, I love you don't need the brady or the gronk you just want the davis one that's it course. that's it and you and i bet if you tell him that he's like okay he's getting the jersey because no one wants a six round yeah he's jersey. like Choosing between me and Brady. Yeah, if he wants yeah. mine, I'll give it for him. Well, fun fact about him. So he's a twin. A twin? So you actually have – and his twin was drafted on Saturday as well. So you yeah. actually could potentially have two different teams that you could get a Davis jersey from now. But they are both over 300 pounds, which can you imagine having twins that when they're in your house are just this gigantic. <laughs> and apparently at one point I believe the family had three refrigerators in their house. That two – That's like mine. That's yeah. Like well, I bet one of yours doesn't have a padlock on it because <laughs> they put one in the parents' room that was designated, this is the parents' food, you are not allowed. <laughs> and they had two whole other fridges just for the, t the twins. And at one point they were eating like, I think that he said their dinner was, and this is each of them, not total, each. Yeah. It was like eight to 10 chicken thighs and corn was like their standard. Wow. Dinner. I barely have a breast of chicken and peas and rice yeah, and for dinner. You're and done. It. And this is the <laughs> difference in you and being a drafted defensive tackle. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you also could be the third Davis in there. How much homework did you have to go through for these possibilities? To be honest, for me, I don't have to know as much like right in the moment because, yes, I do interviews with them, but it's like right after the fact – and they're, they're pretty quick. Like I'm not needing to know massive amounts of their background or stats that these mm -hmm. are kind of quick interviews, just letting them introduce themselves to the Bucks fans. So it's, it's typically some combination of, you know, tell us about, you know, what kind of player in person you are, where you think you'll fit in either the offense or the defense, 
what all do you know about the bucks that excites you for coming here? You know, things like that, that it's yeah. and real quick in the time. If I, you know, I try to look at some of them ahead of time. Like I knew that we were looking at these tackles, obviously. So I'd gotten a chance to do some research on them. But once you're getting into those mid and late rounds, I mean, there's, it's, it's impossible unless you're Mel Kuyper and these guys that that's all you do all year. Yeah. It's impossible yeah. to know a ton about all these guys. So really what I do is I just have gotten really quick at research for in the few minutes between when we have picked them <laughs> and I get them that I'm frantically Googling and searching and looking at, you know, these different news articles to see if there's anything unique or obscure that I should ask them about outside of some of those standard questions that could apply to everybody. And that's where you find things like with Tristan Wirfs, I got to ask him about how that day he had done a red carpet for his mom because they hadn't gotten to go do that. That was the good video you, you retweeted. Yep. So yeah. So because I had seen that happening right before the draft, I was able to ask him about that and things about like, you know, with Davis, with his refrigerator and you know random stuff like that. You, you do try to find some of those obscure fun facts, but now is when my research really gets started. And I, I dive into who these guys are like crazy so that the next time I do an interview, it'll be a lot more in depth. And if you, if he makes the team, you can have the Chappelle show, Chappelle show <laughs> with Chappelle Russell, right? Exactly. I mean, that, that's all that, again, I'm sure that's why we drafted him is we wanted to, to have a secondary Chappelle show. Right. Hey man. Hey man. He can do the <laughs> whole thing. It's going to be great. Um, how different is it for you to do this virtual draft compared to last year? You know, you're probably all together in the room, you're with your coworkers, and now you're at home. Did you feel like it was more planning, more anxiety? What yes. went into it? Yes, more of all of those things, 1,000%. <laughs> so normally we do a virtual, we normally do a draft party for our fans at our stadium, and I host that, and that's on the opening night of the draft that, for the, you know, be a couple hours before the draft, it'll open and it stays open through the entire draft. And we have games on the field and we have a bunch of programming that goes on the video board. So like our entire stadium turns into this massive draft party. So because we obviously couldn't do that this year, we decided to do a virtual draft party, which turned into an hour long live show that we did where it was, I mean, full on produced show, not just like me and someone else talking live for an hour. We had graphics, we had videos to roll. We were taking different interviews from different platforms live. So we had segments of me talking to our writer and we brought on Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys since he's our number one Bucks uh, celebrity fan. Yeah. And, we, and then I did a group Zoom chat with our three top draft picks from last year that we also took live. Mm -hmm. I had done a pre-recorded interview with Rondé Barber that we aired. Like there were so many elements of this and we'd done all these run-throughs during the week. And then of course that night, the software we were using to do this had some issues and we ended up having audio issues. So I'm pretty sure I lost five years off my life because <laughs> let me explain what all is happening at once live. So I'm interviewing our writer and it starts giving us all this crazy audio feedback. And I'm sure in this day and age, as much as people have been using Zoom and things like that, they've had this experience where like you get the reverb, this like awful squealing noise. You hear your own voice a thousand times after you say something and the other person's. So that's already dang near impossible to talk through. So that's happening with me and our writer. And we're both trying to keep talking through all this. <laughs> and then I also have all of my producers and the like, you know, tech people in my ear 
because mm-hmm. they're telling me normally what segments to go to and stuff. Instead, right now I'm hearing like them screaming profanities and yelling about like how they're going to, they're trying to fix this. <laughs> and then I have the players who are supposed to come on with me in a Zoom later texting me saying that they need the meeting ID, that they only have the link and they need the meeting ID. And I'm having to text our producer to get the meeting ID because we don't have there's no breaks. We were live for an hour straight. It wasn't like yeah, a yeah. break where I could then text them. <laughs> so I'm trying to talk to our writer. I'm blocking at our producers. They're yelling in my ear. I'm texting them about the meeting ID. And then I'm getting on the, I get on the Zoom call with Nick Carter. And all of this had kind of pushed us back a little bit in our timing. So then the players are now texting me that they're trying to get in the zoom call, but it's not time for them yet. We're using the same zoom chat, but we're still on with Nick. So I'm having yeah. to text with them to tell them like, wait, they're going to let you in the meeting. Just hang on. And yeah, yeah, all of this is happening at once. And I, and then I love that one of our players texts me and says, Hey, did you know you guys are having some audio issues? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I almost lost it at him. Like, <laughs> One of our bigger players, and I'm pretty sure if he'd been in the room, I wouldn't have cared that I would have punched all six six of him in that moment. I'm just like, yes, bro, I am aware. Thank you. You're so helpful right now. And so, all the time, you have to keep a smile on your face. Oh, yeah, the whole time. The whole time. Everything's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's good. And I'm telling you that, like, at the end of this, I was – I took that suit jacket off and I was like, I hope that dry cleaners are an essential business right now because I am sweating. <laughs> so that was the first hour. And then the, the draft hadn't even started at this and point. The, yeah, yeah. So yeah, virtual, like all of this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. So, I mean, thankfully it really, the, the issues were only for that one segment. And then we got things figured out. We switched over to a different platform and the rest of the show went fine. Like, we got a lot of great feedback, which is awesome. And then once the draft started, like basically we would draft someone and then our PR would, you know, they were the only ones that had the contact info for the player. And that was what was so yeah. different. Normally there's someone there, like from the league with the player, walking them through all their obligations with the media. Like, okay, now you're talking to this person. Now you're talking So like yeah. in the past, we would always know, okay, he's going to get drafted and then he's going to go here, 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 and here. So we would know where we were in that time yeah. frame. Yeah. Well, now we're relying on, I mean, for the first round draft pick, it was pretty easy because he's, he has, you know, someone with him. Like that's a little bit because they know they have so much to do. Once yeah. you got past the first round, I mean, you're really just relying on the player. Somebody's mama. Yeah, you are. <laughs> they, gave, they gave you the contact of someone else that was in his house, but like, it's not someone from the league PR office. It's yeah. like your family member or friend. And so our PR guys would be like texting and calling these players, trying to get them to do the stuff with our local media with me so I'm sitting there with a ring light on me with my zoom up and ready because the moment they're picked like they they start trying to send them the zoom info like I don't know when they could be hopping on so I was sitting yeah. there sometimes for over an hour waiting for this player wow. that, that at any moment could call me yeah I don't know when so I felt oh, like God. I was just like this hostage to zoom <laughs> all of Thursday Friday and Saturday just waiting for this and it'd be me and the PR guy like, have you heard from him yet? Nope. Have you heard from him yet? Nope. And just yeah. waiting for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was how it worked. But it, it worked out. We got the live show done. We got all those Zoom interviews done. But uh, I, am, I am not anxious for another virtual draft as far as my end goes. 
Well, I can scratch off my question, what will you miss? Because yeah. there's nothing you're necessarily going to miss. But is there something you want to keep, something that you liked about this virtual draft that next year you think it'd be cool to incorporate into it? I actually really loved the draft part itself. I loved getting to see in these wow. GMs and coaches' homes. I loved getting to see in the players' homes. Everything was so much more human. You yeah. saw what they would really be wearing, how they're decorated, how they're, you know, who they have with them, their reactions, all of it. I mean, it just, it was so human. Whereas a lot of the other drafts, it's everyone's in suits. They all walk up and hug Goodell and that's, that's it. And it's great. We love those moments. It's wonderful. But man, like I learned so much about the people that make up this league. Yeah. And now when I watch these guys play, I feel like, oh yeah, that's the guy who has the, you know, DC comic mural behind him in yeah. his house. Like I've, you know. Or who wore the like bathrobe or who right. snapped the phone from his girlfriend. Right. Or his girlfriend hugged him right as he's getting picked. And the mama was like, get off of him. Exactly. Yeah. That was my favorite social media moment of this whole thing <laughs> was actually Emmanuel Acho uh, <laughs> tweeting out like, hey, girlfriends, it's not where you start. It's where you're, you finish or something. Yeah. He yeah. showed Russell Wilson's girlfriend <laughs> back when he got drafted. And now he showed him with Sierra. Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> all the people responding with the phone getting snatched away, the mom snatching the girl away, like all the girlfriend stuff. I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like. This is the stuff that doesn't happen yeah. in a non-virtual draft world in and, a lot of ways. And I actually feel for them, like the thought of, hey, when I make it, you know, you're oh, out yeah. the door or whatever. It's just like, oh, man, but they've been with you all through college. Like they probably have seen a big transformation in your life and they yeah, were a part I of mean, that. Absolutely. Like, you, I, and that, again, that's what I love is that you see these are the people that they care about, that care about them, like Mm -hmm. girlfriends parents aunts uncles cousins yeah. brothers sisters friends whoever it was and it was different for every player and that's what i love is that yeah. you got this window into their life and who's important to them and i think it's great yeah i can't remember what player it was but when his dad was like rolling on the floor yeah. I, I picked i was like oh my god this is great this is great that was that was my favorite family reaction by far <laughs> and he's by himself in there the rest of the family's in the kitchen yeah he's just by rolling himself around. rolling around with no one else i was like i want a hype man in my life like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> We all need someone that's going to roll around on the floor to celebrate our moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's segue with rolling on the floor. Did you roll on the floor when you knew that Tom Brady was going to be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I was in shock. I will be completely honest. And it was so weird, the fact that it was happening during quarantine. Because, again, I'm just sitting in my apartment alone. And I'm just <laughs> like, do we actually have Tom Brady? Like, is this real? <laughs> It just didn't even feel real because, I mean, of course, first, like, you're seeing all these reports and because I felt so disconnected not being around everybody and, and we're all texting trying to figure out what's going on. And, um, and I was just like, man, this is, this is real. This is really yeah. happening. And I, I still think in some ways because I have yet to leave my apartment, I don't know that I have grasped that it's real. <laughs> but, yeah, every day I find myself being like, yeah, that's – we have Tom Brady, like yeah. we have Rob Gronkowski. These are real things that happened. And uh, yeah. it, I mean, the excitement is crazy that when, when it was happening, I mean, I was getting texts from a million people and even just like our numbers on anything we posted having to do with Tom Brady were like through the roof, wow. whether it was on our official team account stuff or even my personal stuff that my own social media blew up and I hadn't even done anything with him yet. It yeah. was just the idea that like, 
I would eventually yeah. do things with him. All these new people started, and it was people you could tell were Patriots fans that were now coming to follow us. It was just Tom Brady fans that were now coming to follow us. It was, I, I, it was everybody. It was crazy. And I mean, I, I remember I posted just an Instagram photo of me with a hat on that said TB on it. And I had bought it last year. Just, it's a Tampa Bay hat. Yeah. And I just posted a photo and said, you know, even more excited. I bought this hat last year. Cause now it has dual meeting, like welcome to Tampa, Tom Brady. It got more than double the amount of likes than, that any other photo I've ever posted. <laughs> and it was just a selfie of me in my apartment while I'm quarantined in a baseball yeah. cap. Like there's nothing about this photo. Mm-hmm. It was just the fact that it was mentioning that Tom Brady was coming. I thought, oh my gosh, like, yeah. I am, am I prepared for this onslaught that's now coming of, you know, these extra eyeballs, this extra whatever. Yeah. This is a whole new ball game. And we knew that it had to, you, you've got to be quiet till it's official. But on our text chain, you know, we were like, wait, Casey's not responding to us. Does that mean it's for real? And she just can't say it to us? Because we were all like, is it true? Breaking news, breaking news. And you were the only one that was radio silent. So we were like, it's true, it's true. She can't tell us yet. Yes, yes, yes. We're all just so happy for you. This is the Um, worst, is that when people, like that was happening to me, because there were were rumors about it for days before it was official that we could say. You know, yeah. and that is that is by far the worst part about working for a team. Oh yeah, I know, I know you, it. We all we both. Know. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> I still remember the first week I worked with you at the Buck at, at the Buckers, at the Wizards <laughs> was when we signed Nene, and I remember that we knew earlier that day that it was happening, and yeah. I had to go post up outside Ernie Grunfeld's office with a camera to get a one-on-one with him whenever it became official. And I had no idea how this worked at the time. I was brand new to everything. And I sat out there and it was like, I I got set up at like 3 p.m. And I sat by myself outside his office until 9.30. (laughs) And every network had reported it. Every, Every soul on the planet knew it had happened. And I still had to sit there until it was official at nine something at night by myself in the dark Verizon Center waiting for him to come out of his office. That was when I first learned breaking news is officially over when you work for a team yeah this was even worse because it was days Mm -hmm. not hours days and of course all my friends people like you guys are texting me and i'm like okay i have two options here i cannot respond (laughs) i can respond and lie which i don't want to do right and yep those are my only options so (laughs) i went with not responding and which yeah. case, then everyone did what you guys did and we're like it's true you're not responding <laughs> no, this is the worst did you check your number of followers before the news started breaking and how many more did you get do you have now i didn't officially check but i very quickly started seeing i mean i've gotten hundreds more easily yeah. and again without doing anything so this is i can't even imagine when i actually eventually do an interview with him or post anything with him or he plays for us you know we have a season all that this is just on the the news that he's coming so yeah yeah, i've definitely gotten at least hundreds of new followers on both instagram and twitter because of it and i feel like when the season does start whenever we get back to playing you're gonna have to have a brady cam along with the cam that follows the rest of the team like brady's gonna have to have well now you have gronk which we'll get into later okay the next big step for you was 
Scott Van Pelt. Uh, you know, everybody wondered if if Brady was going to get number twelve. Then all of a sudden, uh, one of our really good friends was watching SportsCenter and sends it in our text chain. That Scott Van Pelt was like, you know, the Bucks beat reporter Casey Phillips. Like, how cool was that to get a mention on SportsCenter? And were we the first ones to tell you that that happened? Yeah, I had, I would have had no idea that happened if you guys hadn't sent me that video. And it was great, especially because of what we were just talking about. That we don't get to break news. Like yeah. that's just not a thing that we get to do when you work for a team. So it's very rare that you would be quoted on something or, or, or talked about in a way that's like you are the one providing this information. Usually if that happens for me, it's because of the, the more human interest side, that that's what okay. I can know that other people don't, that I will sort of break news about someone's, one of the players' lives or interests or something funny like that, but not football-related content. And so that was incredible that that was our big task is we knew that even though we weren't necessarily going to be able to break news with Brady, as soon as we started realizing that this was a real thing, I started calling players on our team and being like, Hey, will you get on a zoom call with me? Like I need this for as soon as it is live, like as soon as we can go with it. And that way, like the moment that it was like real news with Brady, we were able to go live with my interview with Chris Godwin. And so I did get to be basically the first person you know, on camera talking with him about, hey, like this number 12 thing. And because he had actually been in South Africa right before all this. Wow. And he is so lucky he got back right before all the coronavirus stuff like went really crazy. And he, you know, would have yeah. got stuck potentially. But he'd been in South, um, in South Africa with his, what turned out to be his fiance on that trip. He proposed to her there. And so he got back and like hadn't talked to anybody, hadn't done any <laughs> interviews. So I was like, yes don't talk to anybody else. Like, I can't tell you to do that. I'm not going to actually tell you to do that, but I don't want you to talk to anybody else, but it worked out great where, I mean, he still did other interviews and stuff, you know, after me, but, um, that I got to essentially have that first one where I asked him about the number 12 and he got to say, yeah, I'm giving it to him. And, and he basically was just giving it to him out of respect. Didn't ask for it. Everybody had been predicting like, what is he going to get? How much money, how much this, yeah. like, what's he going to ask for? And Chris Godwin is the consummate professional. Like the, I cannot fathom a player you would want in your locker room more than Chris Godwin based on not only what how good of a football player he is but just what an amazing person he is he's so humble down to earth hard worker like he is every coach's dream and you saw that with the fact that he was like all right yep you can have it you've earned it you're the goat that's totally fine yeah. hopefully Brady will give him something Hopefully he'll probably give him a lot of touchdown passes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing too, which could lead to a new contract, which is like, Hey, I'll take it for you getting number 12. Yeah, right? Basically could indirectly end up giving him a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, what has it been like for the fans, the city? Do you feel a difference? Cause with Brady and now Gronkowski and, and a little bit after the draft, but really it's been a long time in between when the two of them became Buccaneers and the draft. Yeah, so Gronk, that was so exciting. And I did get to interview him right after we signed him. And he is everything you think he is. He's yeah. wonderful. I just, he's just one of my new favorites. I, I even had someone on the team who, you know, works on the football side, as soon as we signed him, just sent me a text and said, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> they knew that like, he's just a gift to someone like me that does so much of the personality side of things. Yeah. And he was so nice and I know this is like a silly thing, but 
he used my name multiple times in an interview. And I feel like that's yeah. such a, that's such a unique skill that people have. Mm-hmm. And it's such a sign of them paying attention and making it personal and being in the moment. And I mean, he's done a million interviews in his life, but he still just right after he met me virtually even like, hasn't even met me in person was being very intentional in his interview. And he was funny. Um, he just everything about him. I was like, this is going to be awesome. So not only is he going to be exciting to watch on the field. I mean, he's just going to endear himself to Bucks fans immediately. I saw the video. I sent it to you about Tom Brady trespassing in uh, um, uh, Byron Leftwich's neighbor's house by accident. I'm sure any resident would be happy to let Tom Brady walk in uninvited into their home. Are there Tampa Brady signs out there? You know, you joke with Gronk about this WWE protection he's going to get. Do you just, I know I just asked you like three questions, but I feel like you can't wait for the season to get here because there's so many stories and fun things you can do. I cannot express to you what it has been like to have these things happen and be stuck at home in a quarantine. (laughs) It is just the literal worst. And I've, I can't wait. I mean, I am dying over here for the ability to just, I mean, even I would kill for OTAs right now. We're right now in where we just kind of be in like the phase one and two where it's guys even just running with no coaches. I would kill for that. Yeah. And yes, I mean, the excitement around Tampa is crazy. I have noticed, again, I'm not going anywhere. I'm quarantined. But when I take like a walk outside, I feel like I am noticing more bucks gear on people more flags like they just it does feel like the excitement level has gone up immensely so and and of course seeing all of the national intention that we've gotten like and i mean again we'd see buck stuff around it's you know it was it was there were always tons of bucks fans around here but it does feel like the excitement to see this actually on the field that people cannot wait to see brady in a bucks jersey to see gronk in a bucks jersey to get everyone out there and like everyone's just picturing this offense Mm-hmm. With the two of them, with O.J. Howard, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, with Cam Brate, you know, now we've drafted, you know, other guys. It's just everyone's like, we have to get there. We got to – I feel like we'd be feeling this way regardless of COVID. Like, yeah. we would already just be like, can the season get here? And it's yeah. just that much worse <laughs> now that we have no idea what that's going to look like, when it's going to happen. It is torture. Yeah. Um, and the draft is over. You still have to deal with COVID. Um, is it a stop down? Do you get to relax a little bit? Or again, you mentioned it's just anxiety. Like you just need to get out. You want to get out. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, no relaxing. I really, it's funny how all these people talk about their being, they're bored in quarantine. And I'm like, God, what would that feel like? I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost jealous of that at this point. Um, I essentially, we were joking today that, um, I have worked more during this quarantine time than in a normal off season because in a normal off season, you know, especially in like, you know, February, March, whatever that there's, there's just aren't a lot of guys around. They don't all live here. They'll go home to wherever it is that they train or that they live. And so for me, like, you know, I do a lot of shows still, you know, with our writer or whatever, but there's just, you know, there aren't as many people to interview. Well, now that I'm doing all my interviews via zoom, yeah, I can interview anybody. <laughs> and so in a time when everyone is stuck at home and everyone's watching videos and devouring content like crazy, our content team is like, let's go, like give yeah. us all the content. Yeah. So I today actually just 
was went and talking with our other producers and, and boss and we came up with this whole plan for until the end of quarantine time, whenever that is. And I am making asks in the next week of somewhere to like 15 players wow. to do different things. Um, we're going to start doing these Zoom calls with position groups, meaning I'll get everyone from that position group, hopefully, on one Zoom call. That's going to be cool. Yeah. And so, but again, that's a lot of asks where I'm yeah. trying to, you know, it's, I equate it to herding cats of yeah. trying to get all these players to, to do this at once. We're also going to do segments showing what guys are doing at their houses. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting guys to take selfie video or have a friend or family member that they're quarantined with, you know, take some video of whatever they're doing. Um, we're going to get some kid reporters to ask the players questions over video and then they can send their video response back. I mean, there's just so many things that we're planning that all this stuff probably isn't stuff we do in a normal off season. And it'll be interesting to see that it might affect how our off season is moving forward that we start never going back. Like this is, yeah, this, like, this is now it. like, yeah. why would we not? And it's funny. Cause I'd actually suggested this back in January before we knew all this was going to happen. I was like, you know, why don't I just do like a online interview with some of these guys that don't live here? Like maybe just an Instagram live or like some way that, you know, I talk to these guys that don't live here and we're like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Like, why haven't we done that? So now I'm like, well, I basically looked like a genius back then. Yeah. And yeah. now I feel like every off season, regardless now, this is what I'm going to be doing of yeah. doing the zoom calls with guys that don't live in Tampa in the off season. Do you have talks in the office about, when you see football coming back, if you're making a plan for when this ends, is there a feeling of, oh yeah, this can end and we can start on time? Or when do the 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 conversations start saying, hey, yeah, we're probably like November, December, that this is gonna be a long time. Yeah, we haven't had any well, I have not been in any any conversations like that. I'm sure the higher ups in the organization that are part of that actual decision making. Mm -hmm are in tons of conversations with the league and everything, but I have not been in any of those conversations. And for now, we really don't know anything that we still are just week to week doing what we can do in quarantine, waiting to hear news. And, um, you know, we're basically operating as if it's going to happen on time, you know, and we're preparing even the, the schedule release is going to be coming out um, in a week or two, you know, and that's going to be as if the season is happening on time because you, you got to plan for that. You don't want to plan for it to not happen on time and then be surprised. Right. Um, and then they'll have to adjust if there's uh, different things in terms of how the fans are going to be, in terms of when it starts, all of that. We'll just have to see. But, yeah, right now we're just planning for business as usual. And if you have business as usual, like, are you taking a vac? I mean, I guess you couldn't take a vacation, but did you have one planned? Like, because this would have been a break for you right here, right? Yep. So it's funny. There's – there's been a lot of great things about the fact that this has happened in the off season that I felt really bad for NBA hockey, baseball, that it's, you know, infringing on their actual season that yeah. it's, it's nice for us to still be hoping that we could get a whole season in, in a normal time. It, but on a personal note, it's unfortunate because yeah, this is my only free time all year has been <laughs> while this has happened. And I had two different trips already that got canceled. I was supposed to go on in April and I have one, that I had planned for July that is probably not going to happen. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, this, I'm basically losing almost a whole off season yeah. here because even in the limited amount we had in January and February before this, I went to cover pro bowl. I went to the combine. So um, there was still a lot going on. So yeah, it, it has not been the restful or 
free time based off season yeah. that I, I normally get. Outside of football and your vacations that you're going to miss, is there anything else that you're missing? Uh, what are you watching to make up the time? Well, I mean, Tiger King, obviously, like the rest of the nation, <laughs> which I'm going to call you out in front of everyone that listens to your podcast right now that you still haven't watched it, which I think means you're the only human <laughs> on the planet. And I don't even just mean America. Like, one of the characters in it moved to, like, Norway after the podcast and talks about how he gets stopped there all the time. Like, you're the only one. So I've watched all the Tiger King, and I might watch it again because it was that wonderful. It was that good, Tiger. I don't even understand it. I was watching Don Oliver, and I saw some lady in a tiger suit, and I thought she was a part of the show. I was just so confused. I don't even understand what it is. Well, watch it, and you'll understand. There's a very easy solution to this. It's you already told me not to watch the trailer because it tells me everything. Yeah. So. Well, you were gonna. You weren't going to watch the trailer. You were going to watch the follow-up episode of the Where Are They Now? That's what you were about to click on, and I was saying, oh. no, I'm going to tell you oh, everything. Okay. But even the trailer I wouldn't watch. It's better if you don't know anything. It's amazing. Um, But yeah, so I watched that. And I also watched the HBO documentary called McMillions. um, That's about the Monopoly scandal at McDonald's. Oh, I'll have to watch that one. Okay, okay. amazing as well. So yeah, I went on a big documentary kick for a bit. And uh, whenever I'm having those moments of being irritated about being quarantined and stressed about COVID, I have gone back to the... I just I'm rewatching all my favorite sitcoms just to like make myself laugh. So I've already gone through basically all of The Office again. The Office. And Parks and Rec is next on the um, agenda. Yeah. And I'm I'm in the middle of New Girl again right now. Oh, New Girl! Did you watch a Modern Family? I did back in the day. I need to watch that. That was another one that's on my list during quarantine. I haven't watched some of the more recent seasons of it, but yeah, I always loved that show. The Goldbergs. I've never seen that. Oh, okay. Maybe you'll like that. Okay. You love basketball. You haven't started watching the Jordan documentary? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've been watching that. Yeah. I have watched all four of the episodes and basically tried to watch them immediately because I didn't want to like get any spoilers or like people tweeting about it, whatever. And um, this last Sunday, the, the episodes three and four were what I had basically tuned in for there were two elements of the entire documentary that were like what I had wanted to see. And it was the Pistons rivalry and yeah. all, all of that. And, and just what Isaiah Thomas would say and everything. And Dennis Rodman. I, I love Dennis. Oh my gosh. And it just, it fulfilled all my wildest dreams. Of, yeah. Bill Simmons doesn't know what he's talking about. Dennis Rodman is not interesting. Come on. He's, like he should be the next Dosek. He's most interesting man in the world. <laughs> And you know, it's really funny. So I remember when I was a kid, um, first starting to watch basketball was like when all this was happening, because let me think about this, 95 was when I started playing basketball, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm officially at the age where I don't like that I'm dating myself now. So that was when I started (laughs) playing basketball. So like, this was right around kind of a time. And I remember being like a little kid and the bulls come on and I see Dennis Rodman with all of his colorful hair. And I was like, Oh, I'm here for this. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like as a little girl. And I remember that I, my mom says I called him snow cone head. <laughs> that it looked like when I would get snow cones and they would always say like what flavor and I'd always get multiple flavors and you know, there'd be all these different colors on it. So that was always. And so whenever the TV would be on and the bulls would come on, my mom would walk in and she'd be like, Oh look, snow cone head is on. <laughs> snow cone head. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was my big, I, I loved Rodman because of that. Okay, 
here's my thing about the Jordan doc. There were, well, first let me tell my Dennis Rodman story because I got so many things, but I had a Spurs jersey in it when I worked in Atlanta and this girl was like, yeah, I'm going to be hanging out with Dennis Rodman tonight. And I was like, wait, what? And he's my favorite player. I, I love, I don't know why. I just felt like he's just cool. I gave her my jersey, Spurs jersey. She comes back and is like, yeah, um, he kept it. And I'm sorry, you're just not getting it back. So I was really crushed, but I'm also happy that, okay, hopefully Dennis still has my jersey somewhere in the room. He just kept his Spurs jersey that I gave to him. Oh, it was an authentic God. San Antonio Spurs jersey. If the Spurs happen, somebody from the Spurs happened to listen to this, maybe they could send me a new one. I don't know. But that's my Dennis Rodman story. That's incredible. Um, yeah. And honestly, based on the documentary and everything, like who knows – where that jersey is at this point or like what all's happened but that's incredible like i hope he has yeah. it framed somewhere in his house and Me it's too. forever yeah, your thing that you really nice I, i'm gonna keep thinking that you um, give a gift to dennis rodman just yes that's rodman. yes thank you thank you um was there anything about the documentary that surprised you mine was and i know at that time maybe because it wasn't social media and stuff scotty pippen's contract like, dude was making nothing and nothing. was, like, the second best player in the league. Nothing. And it, it really does show you – well, there's so many elements of it. And I think what you brought up about the not having social media, that, to me, is what has stood out about the documentary. Is, like, can you imagine if Dennis Rodman had done his 48-hour that turned into more than 48-hour yes. trip to Vegas? Can you imagine Twitter for those days? <laughs> no, that would Can you imagine, yeah. like – can, like, there would have been so much video photos of what he was doing like yeah just in general Rodman in the era of social media as yeah. a player would have been insane but yeah it just shows that social media calls attention to things like that's mm -hmm. what it does and in some ways it's bad that I feel like with Dennis Rodman it probably would have been bad but with Scottie Pippen I think it would have been really good because I feel like there would have been such outrage it would have yeah. almost forced the Bulls to do something about it. And it could have yeah. potentially prolonged their dynasty or things that just in general, that everything about what happened with the Bulls, I feel like social pressure could have potentially changed things. And yeah. it's so interesting how no one realized, I mean, I guess it's not no one, but I'm, that people on the mass scale did not understand how unpaid he is. Whereas nowadays, with all the social media and just all the media outlets in general, people are constantly writing articles about what the salary cap is, what different people make, who's making too much, who's making too little. Like that's constant. It mm -hmm. blows my mind that that wasn't public knowledge and just understood back then. Yeah. And it's so weird because I get both sides with Jerry Reinsdorf and Scotty, but like for an owner to say, I told him not to sign it. You could have just, ripped it up and gave him a new one because you knew how valuable he was to the team. I couldn't I believe just, the concept of an owner telling a player that you shouldn't sign this. Everything yeah. about that blew my mind. But here's the thing. I, I actually understand where Scotty was coming from. I think a lot of people were like, then why did Scotty sign it? But again, like this is back when Scotty didn't know he would be the Scotty Pippen we're talking about now. He didn't know yeah. the Bulls would be what, we're talking about now that he came from he described this family if he had what is it 12 people living in his house or 12 mm -hmm. siblings or whatever and then and two people in wheelchairs and 
he needed to know that he had some stability, some certainty that he could provide for his family. And sports, when you sign a contract, it is always a gamble. Like you never know. They, they talk about it like players betting on themselves yeah. when they sign a one-year deal in football, you know, this idea of the prove-it deal. And Scotty didn't want to have to do that. He wanted to know that I can take care of everybody because he's right. He'd already had some injury issues. He could have had a catastrophic injury the next year mm-hmm. and never would have been the Scotty Pippen we're talking about now. And that's always how it is for players. It is a risk-reward idea of am I betting on myself now or later? Am I going to risk not making as much by thinking I could make more later? Yeah. I mean, whoo, that's – man. I. And it lasts, it's not obviously Scottie Pippen's story started in episode two, but I feel like in episode three and four, it just kept building and building and building. It was funny to see at the end of four, where he's like, okay, I guess I'm coming back. <laughs> I gotta come back. All right. It was just, and okay. I'm, I always watch these things with a critical eye. We're in television, you know, we're in media. The jumping around, sometimes I get a little lost in what year we're talking about. And I wonder if, I, maybe it's just symbolic to call it the last dance, but why couldn't you just say it was a Bulls dynasty documentary and then maybe it'd be okay to jump around a little bit more? I've thought about that as well. I have found myself having the same issue where at times I'm like, wait, what season is this? And honestly, the only thing that has helped me is whether or not MJ is like skinny or not. Like when <laughs> in these last episodes, it's talked about how all of a sudden after the piston stuff, he hit that weight room and boy, you saw a massive change yeah. like, in his arms. So like, that's honestly helped me a lot is when they show MJ, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the earlier, this isn't the last dance. Like this, yeah, this is yeah, earlier because yeah. like yay big around and looks like super young and you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I struggle with that a little bit too. But I, I think- and it's funny you said that because you and I have been in this industry and have made, you know, stories sort of like this or in a documentary standpoint, they talked about how there was a video crew allowed into that last year and given unprecedented access. Yeah. That's why it's the last dance. They have more footage from that year than probably all the other years combined. Yeah. So I think that's why that's where they used it as the anchor. And, and it is one of the most interesting concepts of the whole dynasty yeah. And they talked about comparing it with the Warriors of the difference in an organization basically causing the end versus players leaving causing the end. That's yeah. a very unique thing for at a peak of a team's success for it to be dismantled. Yeah. So that is sort of the anchor of it all. And I, I do understand the idea of them telling the story leading to that point of to understand the last dance you have to look at all these other years, but I, I do think it could have worked to just tell it chronologically of, yeah, here's the story of the Bulls. But, I mean, it is really incredible the amount of footage that they have from that last year because of that film crew that they let in. I mean, the idea of when they knocked on Scotty's door yeah. in three or four, and he kind of pretends to shut the door in their face, and then he's like, yeah, sure, come on in. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, again, that's their last year when you know Pippen and Jordan, all of them, are so sick of cameras and the media and all of that for him to just say like, yeah, come on into my hotel room in my limited free time away from all this craziness is incredible. And I don't even understand why they would agree to the last year when they knew, Hey, Krause says this is the end. I don't know why no one called him sour Krause. Cause that's every time I hear somebody say his name, that's what I think about. Like he just destroyed everything 
with this team to have a greater dynasty. Because I think if Jordan didn't retire in between the three back-to-back-to-back championships, they would have won eight, which would have tied the Celtics. But in better than the Celtics, I don't think the Celtics won eight in the row, right? I think they won eight out of 11, but there was a break in between there. Um, but so, so I think that plays a role in why allow a camera in for what really is a very bitter end to everything that you've built your your organization for um and okay and back to the going back and forth let me know if you noticed this and i know we've gone on a long time about the jordan thing i was confused and this is where i said okay what's happening here after they beat the pistons did you notice that on the bus jordan's shirt said three peat on it he had a t-shirt underneath it so i'm like wait a minute he didn't three peat yet so i was like what does that shirt mean and did they accidentally put footage or pretend it was after they beat the pistons in a place it wasn't supposed to be i that's so funny i noticed the same thing um my thought is i don't i don't think it's out of place because correct me if i'm wrong but i think it showed based on who the other players coaches people were on the bus that it was the right time i didn't go back and like analyze that but yeah. based on who's sitting around him you could tell when this is from it was, right it was after they beat the pistons so i think it was probably from some other team or sport or something like a, it, that that was my guess yeah is that it was about that or something about like three-peating as i don't know division champs or something like something smaller on a bull scale of like what they'd done three in a row of but yeah that was my thought is maybe it was him being a fan of some other sports team that had repeated at something and that's what it was from but yeah. I, I thought the exact same thing i was like wait what like why does yeah. he have this yet they like at that point they hadn't even gotten one like yeah what's happening i'm gonna to have to go back and research that myself because i know i'm just saying it without actually finding out why look we went on this whole tangent about basketball because you love basketball and you used to cover basketball when you work with me with the washington wizards what's the difference as we come back to casey between covering a basketball team or a season in football? What, what are the pros and cons or, or maybe just in general, the biggest differences? I definitely miss covering basketball in a lot of ways just because it was the sport I grew up with and that was my first love. But uh, I don't miss the uh, schedule of basketball. That was brutal. And <laughs> the million plane flights was also brutal. So basically when I was offered a job in the NFL, it was like, all right, so 82 versus 16. Yep. That sounds better. Um, So that's definitely better. But um, I also really like with football, I have so many more people to cover that, you know, at a certain point when I was the one going every single road trip, covering every single game, having to get interviews after every single game, when I had interviewed John Wall or Bradley Beal for the umpteenth millionth time, in the span of, you know, this one road trip or over this course of time, they were yeah. just like, again, like, didn't you just talk to me? And I'm like, yes, but there are only <laughs> nine of you playing. <laughs> so like, ev- like, even if I split it exactly evenly, which I'm not going to do because I'm obviously not going to interview the ninth guy playing as much as I'm going to interview Bradley Beal. Yeah. I would still have to interview you every nine days. Like yeah. it's just how it works. And so that was just brutal trying to space it out. And you're talking to the same guys over and over again. And then also at one point of the nine guys that were playing for the wizards, only five English was their first language. (laughs) So that was a whole other wrench thrown into it. Whereas in football, 
I have 53 players to talk to. And mm -hmm. if you include the practice squad, 63. Mm -hmm. And we only have one guy that English isn't his first language. Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, his English is better than mine a lot of times. So, yeah. you know, he's French Canadian and, you know, he's, he's, his English is amazing. So it was just funny how there were so many times that I was just struggling with these interviews of either having to put subtitles on a guy or I've interviewed this guy four times this week already. It was just so challenging from that standpoint. And I didn't like bugging them. You know, I felt bad, like, especially after losses, like, look, I know you don't want to talk. I know I just talked to you yesterday. I'm really sorry. But again, with the NFL, you have a little bit of a buffer. Like I can space out my requests to players a whole lot more. Um, and just, I think also there's so much uh, diversity and background of NFL yeah. that each position group almost has its own identity. And there's wow. all these different stories to tell there that it's just what makes up an NFL locker room, it just makes sense. If you have 53 guys as compared to 12, you're going to have a lot more stories to tell. So I, I love that. And what about travel? I mean, because what it was, I mean, man, we traveled first class, stayed in five-star hotels, less people, but on the road, longer periods of time. What is travel like with the NFL team, with the Bucs? Yeah, so I'm thrilled I travel less. I do miss in some ways the way I traveled with the Wizards. <laughs> um, so the NFL, of course, you're traveling way more people. So it's very mm -hmm. different. Um, we do have an entire plane that's ours, but, and we fill that plane up. Like, and it's a big normal commercial plane where you have uh -huh. the big first class, business class, all, and then coach, you'll have some of our trips. We'd have the two seats, the three seats and the two seats. Yeah. And then sometimes it would even be like the, three you know five and three or something wow. like huge ones like when we were but like that's getting more and more rare of just trying to find these planes availability but i am in a middle seat in the back in coach <laughs> so i on a plane standpoint travel worse than i would on like just me going on a trip somewhere where i can at least like get an aisle seat you yeah, know somewhere. Yeah. um but what i i do still love is there is more food on an NFL plane Ooh. than an NBA plane. Okay. And I made a horrible mistake with that my first NFL trip because I'm not going to lie, I was basically starving to death with the Wizards. <laughs> like I was on, you know, DC like cost of living on not a super high DC cost of living salary and then there wasn't really much food on the plane at least for me. I think they had more for the players, but in terms of for me, mm -hmm there was maybe a meal if the flight was long enough and that was it. And I remember just like occasionally finding some uh, uncrustables that they had like, <laughs> that the players had left behind and taking those with me to the hotel and being like, score, like I got a free uncrustable. <laughs> but now, so then I get on my first NFL flight and this was when I was working for the Rams. So I walk on and I'm still in this like starving mentality. From the <laughs> and I see this cart that has candy bars, granola bars, fruit, hummus, like vegetables, like all this stuff laid out. And oh, and Chick-fil-A sandwiches. What? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I grab <laughs> everything. Like I'm probably holding people up getting on the plane. And I'm just shoving stuff into my bag. And I get to my seat and I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. So I remember before we took off, I ate fruit, 
I ate a granola bar, I ate a candy bar, and I ate a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I was just like, sweet, I just got free dinner. This is amazing. So then we take off and the flight attendant comes over to me and she's like, what would you like for your meal? I'm like, <laughs> I just had my meal. What are you talking about? What is the menu? And it was like, all these options and it was like one of them was like steak and green beans and mashed potatoes and I was like yep yeah. I'll have that <laughs> so I ate that too and then she comes back a little bit later and she goes would you like an ice cream sandwich yes I was like yep yep I would <laughs> comes back again later would you like a fresh baked cookie what yes, I more would. dessert yes I would I have never felt so miserable as at the end of that flight. And I remember telling one of my coworkers, like, I just made a rookie mistake. (laughs) I wasted all this space on the stupid fruit at the beginning. And now I know that I I have a better understanding of how much food is available (laughs) on an NFL flight and that I need to pace myself now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. Yeah, because you got all those offensive linemen and big dudes and players that they got to eat. Yeah. Uh, How much do you enjoy being talent? You know, you know, you've worked for Wizards, Rams, Bucks, almost a decade of being team talent instead of being media. I feel like I've enjoyed that same level of, I guess, intimacy is a word that I bring up with the players because there's a there's a pride like you're doing stuff for them you're working for them versus someone in the media that's trying to get a scoop yeah i love it for the relationship side um mm-hmm. and even just for who i am i am not someone that would do well reporting rumors or gossip or negativity or anything that i knew would potentially be harmful to a, a player or their family or anything. I just, I, I don't know that I have the stomach for things like that. And I understand that there are times that there's place for that. I'm just glad I'm not the one doing it. Yeah. And I really take pride in, you know, for me, my career, my faith is really important to me. And my career to me was almost a mission field where I wanted to have the kind of relationships with players, coaches, my coworkers, anyone I came across where they would see Um, my faith in me. And I just felt like this was the best way to do it because I could be part of the team on their side. I'm looking out for them that, you know, I edit things to make them look good. I, everything I do is designed to help them. And therefore they know I'm on the team. And there was a time when I, there was a player in the locker room that I went in the locker room a little early before the rest of the media was allowed. And we were talking about something and then the rest of the media came in and he was like, God, the media, I hate the media. And I was like, Hey man. And he was like, Oh no, no, no. I don't mean you. Like yeah. you don't count. You're not media. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized that like, that's really the case is that I really am not media anymore. You know, it's, it's a very different role. It's this hybrid reporter PR marketing thing. And for some people that would drive them crazy, not being able to break news or ever say anything critical or negative. I love it because I love being a part of the team. I care when we win. I care about these players. I feel like they're big sister and I get to know them and their families and things about them that I I would never get to know as an outside media person. And to me, that's what it's all about is that I can be there for people and help them in ways that I wouldn't otherwise. And, And that's, that's the point is the relationships and to be able to do nice things for people that, um, that's to me what my, my career is really about. So I, I, at this point, you know, can hardly even imagine doing it any other way because you're right. Like you get all this behind the scenes access, 
You get to see them in ways that other people don't. And I just care too much now. I think it would be really hard for me to um, just distance myself in that way. And I know I could, you know, that if my next job is something where I am traditional media, of course, I, I will be able to figure that out. But it will be challenging to no longer feel like you're on their team. Yeah. I remember uh, a tweet from a reporter where at the start of this coronavirus, they talked about the internet and how they're used to covering, you know, they're always looking for a scandal and, you know, something negative and dealing and covering corruption, blah, blah, blah. He's like, man, and, and now, and it's all, I wouldn't say he was preaching to his viewers or readers, but it was kind of like, a, but look at all of these wonderful things happening on the internet and, and wonderful stories we can do. And I'm like, no, you could have always been doing that. There are a bunch of stories out there that are positive. Even when it comes to a player, there's a two sides to every coin. Any story, you can choose to cover it in a negative way or a positive way or not cover it at all if you have that kind of value. And I think that's one of the things that we agreed upon that I like when I interviewed you and I treated you so nicely. And I was just, you know, very, you know. We, yes, we, yes, we, so uh, welcoming. And didn't it all make me think I wasn't getting the job when you had me leave? Yeah, not at all. We had to be tough. I was like, I like Casey, but I can't let her know already. Yeah, that was the one and only time you've ever been tough on me was the interview. And I walked away going, well, not getting this job. It's so, <laughs> so ridiculous. But no, I, I do love that um, you're right, that we, we so often focus on the negative in sports, that you have shows where it's all about debating and arguing. And, you, and, and that is so much of even just talking about sports with your friends is, is LeBron better? Is, is MJ better? And it's arguing and all of this. And like too much of sports media has become about the negative. And that is easier. Like it is easy to just find what's wrong about things in life. I mean, that's just kind of, it's, it's always in a lot of ways easier to be a negative person than a positive person. And for me, I think what I really realized is why I wanted to be on the team side was actually when I was with the Wizards. And I remember talking to a couple of the wives of the players. And one of them was telling me a story about the awful things this fan was saying about her husband, that she was sitting next to him at a game and he had no idea who she was. Mm -hmm. He had no idea he was sitting next to a player's wife. And he's just saying horrendous things about this player. And she was so hurt and devastated, but knew she couldn't do anything because all it would do would be, you know, cause this negative publicity of if, if it escalated of, oh, the wife of so-and-so gets in altercation, whatever. So she couldn't do anything, but she said she wanted to just sit there and cry. Of like, how does this guy not understand that he's talking about a human being? Yeah. So now that's become my strategy is I want to tell stories about these players that help fans remember that this isn't just some digital guy on your Madden game. Like this is a human being. He has family, he has friends, he has potentially kids that now are going to be old enough to read what you're tweeting about him, you mm -hmm. know, to, to hear on these shows what you're saying about him. And if I can tell a story about a player that makes fans say, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know that about this guy. I love that. You know, I didn't know he came from that kind of background. I didn't know he does this kind of charity work. I didn't know that he also shares a love for this thing that I do. If I can make them relate to them as a human, then hopefully I can create a more positive atmosphere where fans, sure, be upset that a guy didn't get you as many fantasy points as you wanted, but don't go tweet at him and say things to him that you wouldn't say to a normal human to their face. Yeah. And treat them with dignity, treat them with respect and um that's that's really my goal is to just remind everyone hey it's sports we're here for fun we're here for entertainment cheer for your team 
but don't be a troll. Don't be awful to these guys. They're humans. And so if my stories can help people remember that, that's really what I'm here for. Yeah. To steal a, uh, a line from uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Mike Wise, he said, everyone's got keyboard courage. It's easy to just hop on your keyboard and say whatever you want to, but not necessarily face to face. Uh, you've done a lot of stuff with the Bucks. You're the face of the Bucks. Radio, TV, in the stadium, town hall, the draft. Um, is this, as it when you went into it, uh, after leaving the Rams, did you think this was going to be your dream job? I imagine I came down to visit you. We went to a Bucks game. And I was like, this is like walking with royalty uh, in, in the streets and, and in the stadium. Just everyone associates you with the Bucks outside of players. You'd be the first face and maybe an owner and coaches that they would, you know, uh, kind of connect with. Yeah, it's, it's honestly mind-blowing to me that – First of all, I never expected to really be recognized in a job like this. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was, I, I figured the only reporters that get recognized are like national, you know, ESPN, NFL Network kind of people. But that's not true. And it's, it's really interesting. I've, I've joked that I am, uh, I had been one of the worst kinds of famous was what I told my coworkers, <laughs> that I was just famous enough around Tampa that I didn't feel like I could go to the grocery store looking a mess. <laughs> but not famous enough that it actually got me anything like when people recognize me it would just be like hey it's Casey you're the girl from the Bucks," and then yeah. that was it like that was that was the whole interaction and uh so I got yelled at on the street a lot which always cracked me up that like no one was ever just like oh hey are you Casey Phillips from the Buccaneers it was always hey it's Casey like I was like oh oh hi <laughs> and it just cracks me up but I love it I love our Bucks fans I love their enthusiasm but I finally got to where I consider to be a good kind of famous because I finally got something out of it that I went to a barbecue restaurant in town and I got free cobbler hey a fan so I have now decided this is an acceptable level of famous if I have to go out wearing makeup looking decent at least I got some free cobbler out of it yeah um but no I mean it really is my dream job it's incredible I and it's funny how people will ask me, oh, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, man, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be that would take me away, that it would have to be an incredible offer because I love what I do. And um, it, even the job I have now, I've been here for five years, isn't the job I had when I came in. That Every yeah. year, more and more things have been added to my plate. And it has really grown into my dream job. That Yes, it was amazing at the beginning that I loved working in the NFL and I wanted to live in Tampa. I wanted to live by the beach and where there's no cold. <laughs> And so I, I did love it, mm -hmm. but now, I mean, it has grown so much and they've given me so much autonomy to come up with my own shows and segments and question ideas. And um, they've been really great about letting me think outside the box and, and make it my own. That I remember after, you know, my first year, we drafted two offensive linemen. We drafted Ali Marpet and Donovan Smith, and they both were just so funny and so much personality. And I remember going in and telling my boss, you know, I know we have these radio show obligations that we, we basically own, you know, X number of hours during the week to provide radio shows. And I didn't do one my first year that they said they wanted to let me just come in, see how I did before they gave me a radio show. And I said, I really think these two offensive linemen could do an amazing radio show. And they're mm -hmm. like, offensive linemen? Like, is anyone going to listen to that? You know, like, they're, they're thinking, we need Mike Evans. We need, you know, we need your, your quarterbacks, your wide receivers, your running backs, you know. And I said, I know, but I, I'm telling you, I really think they can carry it. So they were like, all right, go do a video of some kind with them, and we'll see how it goes. 
So we went and did an eating competition with them at a taco place. <laughs> and it was, um, it was so good. And like all of my bosses and everyone just loved it. And they were like, all right, you've convinced us. And that grew into, I did a radio show with them once a week for the entire season the next year. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up, that went so well that then they gave us a TV show with those two players last year. Uh -huh. that we got to, and yeah. I got to just come up with all the content for both, for the radio yeah. and the TV show, which included one of our TV shows. We played the pie face game, and I convinced these offensive linemen to, to be clicking it where they get hit in the face with whipped cream. <laughs> and we played the game that Jimmy Fallon does where you have to, like, stick your hands in the box and feel around to see what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I put a remote control tarantula in there and scared yeah. two 300-pound guys half to death. <laughs> So just the fact that they've given me this freedom to do things that are unconventional that I now get to show the personality of these guys. It's, it is an absolute blast that every day I go to work and I think I am getting paid to do something that other people would pay to do. Yeah. And that's what I remind myself that of course there are times that it is a job and it's work and it's tough and I'm away from friends and family a lot and all those things. And in those moments when it can be difficult, I just remind myself, I, I, I make myself step back and think, I'm getting paid to stand on the sideline of an NFL game and to talk to these NFL players and play games with them and, and talk about their backgrounds, their families. Like if you had showed 12 year old me this now, I wouldn't have even believed you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, we, we're just so happy. We get to live vicariously through you now, um, which is, which is a lot of fun because it's going to be a crazy season for you coming up whenever football does come back. Uh, and I feel like Tampa, the city gets such a bad rap. You're living a dream. Is Tampa living a dream? And if they are, let's say you're going to ticket sales had to go up. Right. And, and so when fans come down there, what can they do in Tampa? What does Tampa have to offer? Because I, I feel bad to say this, but I feel like whenever there's a Super Bowl in Tampa, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. But it's like, that's not fair. I mean, when I came down there, you showed us such a great time. It's, it was awesome. Yeah, see, this is unfair. Because first of all, I feel like we get lumped in with this a Florida man idea, all those yeah. headlines about a Florida man. So it's I would like to say that we are not – all a Florida man. That I'm not going to say there are not some, <laughs> that, that some of those headlines have originated here. I'm not going to say that's not true. But no, Tampa is honestly amazing. That Part of why I wanted to, to live here is that it really is a normal city in the sense of, you think of Florida as being like retirees and like Disney. Like that's what everybody's like picture is. Yep. And that's not Tampa. That Tampa is families and sub, you know, it's, it's a normal city. Um, but we have beaches we have all, all these waterfront restaurants and biking trails you can go kayaking all these places and you know you have major sports teams and the food and bar scene is really picked up we have all these incredible places with that and like there's a performing arts center I mean it really is an amazing city that and it's it's funny whenever I do have friends visit me I always am sad when they're leaving and I'm like, man, we still need to get to do that, that I don't run out of things to do with them. And there's even still things yeah. I've been through for five years. I'm still checking things wow. off my bucket list. And one yeah. of them, if you had watched Tiger King would understand, I still haven't <laughs> gone to the big cat rescue. That's <laughs> one that is still on my bucket list to go do. I mean, you have Bush Gardens here, you have a zoo. You, I mean, it's 
there is so much to do here. It's crazy. So yeah, do not allow people to give Tampa a bad rap because it's awesome. And uh, we, you're, we joke that your parents are my parents. Yes. And uh, how are they doing? They, they are enjoying Tampa and they're going to have Tom Brady over for dinner and Gronk and you'll have like a little dinner. Oh yeah, we've already, yeah, we've got family dinners planned. No problem. But no, they're, they're wonderful and they're still mad at you that you haven't moved to Florida. Um, and they said that you're depriving them of their grandchild. And I'm pretty sure that's a slight at the fact that I have not produced grandchildren yet. So I think that you having a kid and needing to be closer to them is my only chance for them to not be looking at me for the grandchild. So I'm going to need y'all to do that soon. Well, okay. We'll work on it. Uh, okay. Last, last question. Last question. The Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay this year. What are the chances that the Bucks are going to be in the big game? So I want to say 100% because uh-huh. that's how I feel. But if I say that and then it doesn't... It's like, going to jinx it. Yeah, and then I've jinxed it. So, like, I'm not saying that. I'm, I feel like we are very well equipped to be <laughs> the first team to do that, to play in their own hometown. Um, but we also have seen that the football season is long. There's a lot of things that you have no idea how it's going to go, especially this year when you're not getting a normal off season. We have no idea what the season is going to look like. If there's every year that I feel like we are going to have no idea who's going to do well and who's not, it's this year that yeah. we can't be watching all these teams OTAs right now and seeing how this rookie looks and this guy looks and, Oh, how is this guy picking up the new playbook and all of that, that we, we just aren't going to know. And I think that's actually really exciting that, after so many years of there being so little parody in the NFL, especially over in the AFC that I saw some graphic talking about how between the Patriots and the Steelers, they had been in like every Super Bowl except for one. Yeah. Every, every like AFC title game, except for yeah. one. It was like the one random Joe Flacco appearance. Yeah. It was like Brady and Roethlisberger and Manning. That's what it was. Brady Roethlisberger and Manning had been in it every year forever. Yeah. One fluke Joe Flacco year. And it's like, we need some parody here. Yeah. Well, I think this is the year that it could happen because you've no idea how players are going to respond to this, how teams are going to respond to this. And fans are going to get to just go into this season blind going, I don't know who's going to be good. I don't even know who to draft on my fantasy team. And it's, it's going to be awesome. When you do come back uh, to, I guess we all come back to normalcy. I hope whoever your videographer, cinematographer, whatever they're called, I want it to be the guy who was uh, shooting uh, your head coach, Bruce Arians, during the draft. That's who I hope that uh, is going to be your videographer. Because it was great to see him. Like, he looked like he didn't quite know what he was doing. But someone told him, hey, this is how you do it. And I love seeing his reflection. Every time they show Bruce Arians, you'd see what he was doing with the camera and getting in position. It was great. Thank you so much, Casey. I had a wonderful time talking with you, and hopefully the listeners did too. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks for having me on, and I'm glad you're doing the podcast. I want to thank Casey Phillips for coming on the show, and again, thank you for listening. I know it was a long one. I appreciate the support. Be sure to share it and leave a review. You can catch past pods and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and more. And check out more of what we have on the Props Network. We've got In Action, the quarantine quiz show for sports fans. We've got 
Pile It On, the football podcast. A lot for you. Go to thepropsnetwork.com for more and Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're everywhere. All right, that's it for Just for Sport. Ciao for now.